And we're back at the Bait and Switch Podcast Studios. Today's interview is with Jim Stingle. He is a veteran columnist for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. If you're a new listener to the Bait and Switch Podcast, you should know that we previously interviewed Jim's fellow, now retired columnist, Crocker Stevenson. That episode is in our archives. It's season one, episode 19. Here's a short clip of that interview. Now you know the hell that I live in because, I mean, I talk to people like you all the time. As always, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast feeds. In addition, you can find us at baitandswitchpodcast.com, our new website. And, of course, through our Facebook page, Bait and Switch Podcast. We appreciate all of our listeners, and if you like what you're hearing, please pass us along to your friends. Your podcast starts... Now. Hola, bienvenidos. This is Richard Wilson. With this podcast, there are no electives. Every program is a prerequisite. The semester is in session. It's season two of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. As always, I'm Chris Beyer with my co-host Jim Martin. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I'm uh, getting over a little bit of a cold here uh, this weekend, so I'm not quite 100%. I'd say I'm about 80%. 80%. 80%, which is, okay. is that B minus? What is that? Uh, boy, yeah, that's yeah, B minus, C plus maybe, something C- like that. <laughs> really? You're I'm, I'm going to go with C plus, yeah. It's sure. a hard, you're a hard I'm grader. I'm going with the uh, 93, to ni- 93 to 100 is an A. Okay. You know, that scale. Not no curve. 90, not no curve for your podcast partner. I mean, I expect a lot out of you. Well, well you know I mean, what? You're right, because I have given, to this right. point, I have set a high bar. I'm not sure if I really want to operate at 100%, because I'm afraid Full I'm throttle. going to overheat. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? You never know when you need to crank it up. You yeah. want to have that little bit extra in the tank. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm even though I'm 80, typically 90, I'm going to do my best here. Uh, tonight. Wait, typically ninety. Typically ninety because I don't want to overheat, right? Because if I just well, go that, 100. I, see, I always thought it was a hundred, and now it feels like you let me down a little bit. I mean, it feels like there's more in the tank. There is more that in I the tank. Seen. There is more in the okay. tank. Now, okay. our guest tonight, you might know because you're sitting across from him, is a <laughs> prominent uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel columnist, Jim Stingle. Welcome, Jim. Welcome, Jim. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for thanks for coming. Yeah, Jim. Oh, at what percent of full operating capacity are you tonight? I feel like I'm a hundred, actually. You know, the kind of rate I think that Jim expects. My partner, and, uh, Jim. Yeah. See, I appreciate that kind of effort. Right. He's bringing it. You know, full, I, I, full I came here straight from the gym, so I just <laughs> yeah. you know to get revved up. If I were eighty, I'd be home and in bed. I think. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the see? Nyquil. I, <laughs> I got. I got to get some type of quill. Day quill, Nyquil, Tylenol brunch, Tylenol PM. Right. <laughs> yeah. Snack. Tylenol snack. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to thank our headhunter for this interview, which was. Crocker Stevenson, formerly of the Journal, that is true, right, uh, Jim? That's right. I think you guys killed his career. I think he was on. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, and, and then right, and then he was not working at the paper anymore, anymore. So I'm, right. yeah, I'm a little worried tonight. But, yeah. Uh, well, you know. Uh, you know, they're, they're throwing people out of the newsroom left and right. So <laughs> yeah, you, know, you yeah, never you know. know when it's your turn. Just keep your head low. Keep showing up like there's nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Crocker, wonderful guy, great reporter, good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. He he yeah. retired. 
He did indeed. Yeah, that's right. And they keep waving money in front of us with these buyouts to try to reduce the size of the staff. And right. uh, he, yeah, he took one of them. You know what? I This was a topic I was going to get into later, but now that we're kind of broaching this, I don't necessarily want to talk directly about the state of the newspaper business currently because you're currently in it. Mm-hmm. But where do you see the newspaper business 20 years from now? What's going to happen? Well, I think as long as there are baby boomers, there might still be printing presses. In the shorter run, it'll probably go to Wednesday and Sunday papers. Okay. Maybe Monday during Packer season. Uh, sure. You know, and then... Um, I think we're just going to see the end of the actual printed product that plops on your porch. And I think we're going to see, I mean, some our, Gannett, our current owner, they seem sort of eager for the day when we don't have to worry about trucks and presses and carriers and all that expensive mm-hmm. stuff and just be able to deliver the product digitally, get digital subscribers. Um, you know, and uh, the trouble is digital advertising doesn't pay that much. So I worry about that. I, just, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I definitely worry about the future of newspapers. And uh, I think they'll exist in some form, but I'm, I'm glad I'm, I've got quite a few years in my rearview mirror at the moment. But I do worry about the future of newspapers. Are right. you a Milwaukee native? I am. I, I uh, was born in Milwaukee's sort of birth factory, St. Joe's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in my first six years near 34th and North Avenue. Then when I was six, we moved out near Capitol Court. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, I took a long way around to to get to a journalism degree, though. I mean, I went right out of high school. I went right into Marquette University thinking, you know, keep the Catholic thing going, I guess, keep my parents happy. <laughs> and that was um, – I was a math major. I'm not really sure why, and I hated it when I got there, and I was a commuter. So every, when things got good at night, you know, in college, I would get in my car and drive back to my mom and dad's house. Oh, you yeah, know, and yeah. It's kind of sad, really. Yeah, right. What I hate about math is people are always telling you to do it. They're always telling you to yeah, do yeah. this. Just, just, just do or the didn't math. know there would be math. You yeah. Know? How about that kid in high school or college that just before the test would always keep bugging the teacher. Is that going to be on the test? That's probably worse now, though. Don't you think, though, that kids now will have utter breakdowns if they get one A- minus during the course of a semester? Yeah. And stuff? The helicopter yeah. parents. Yes. Right. Yeah. The snowplow parents. Hovering. Yeah. Bulldozer. Bulldozer, Bulldozer parent. Parents. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. They run over yeah. the other kids, Sump maybe. pump parents. <laughs> just, just get all <laughs> just the crud just, and the muck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to write a column on that. The sump pump parents. The sump pump, the sump pump generation. You should, yeah, you should uh, coin that term. <laughs> so we left you at Marquette. You were the oh, math yeah. major. Yes, and was not – didn't I, I ended up finishing one year but didn't like it. And right about then, I bought my first car and decided I was going to try to take care of this thing a little bit. So I signed up at MATC in auto repair class. And at the end of that year, I went and got a job as a mechanic. So I did that for, full-time for three years. And then I started thinking, uh, maybe I should go back to school. I, you know, I was getting a little restless with that and looked around. I went to sign up at UWM for a bunch of courses. And one of them was Introduction to Mass Media, which I liked. And I just kept going, worked for the college UWM Post. Graduated UWM, I started the very next day at the Beloit Daily News as a... Wow. Wire editor, even though I never laid out a page or written a headline. You, know, you have to kind of fudge a little bit on your your interview. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> and, but I was willing to work cheap. And, uh, and then I went to the Green – I was there five years, kind of learning the business. I was very green. And then I went to Green Bay Press-Gazette for almost two reporter up there. And then uh, the journal well, – I tried to get into the journal several times. It wasn't working. But then they hired somebody from Green Bay they liked. And they said, is there anybody back there in Green Bay we ought to look at? And they mentioned me. And next thing you know, I was getting recruited by the Milwaukee Journal. Oh, nice. so. It wasn't Crocker, was it? No, it was not Because that's how you Crocker. got in here. Yeah. No, he, and he was a Sentinel guy, and I was a Journal guy. So Crocker and I, oh, boy. many, now, now it's been so long now, papers merged uh, 
almost 25 years ago. Can yeah. you believe it? 24 years ago. How long were they separate companies? They were kind of the same company back when you yes. worked for them. The Sentinel was like a Hearst paper for a while, and I think. And, and, and the Sentinel was much older than the Journal. The Sentinel goes back to like 1830s or 40s, I think. Hmm. The Journal goes back to the 1880s. And then in 1962, they came together under the same company but continued to compete as newspapers. Mm-hmm. Combine. So, so was there? A, how did that go? Now I knew a bunch of the reporters anyway from being out on the beats and stuff. You know, you competed against them on the building runs at City Hall or in the courthouse oh, okay. or whatever. It was a soft rivalry in the sense that you were under the same company. Yeah, that's right. It felt it, it, it felt that way. Although, again, you know, especially the Sentinel, they were pretty hard. If you if you got beat by, you know, the Journal, you know, they, they, you know, they would really kind of hammer you. I mean, that's the sort of sense I have of the culture over there. I, I came from the Journal side, so I right. don't know. Those years feel a long time ago, but uh, the competition I think was good. Sometimes it was bad because you would rush a story into print before it was ready. Oh, sure. And, you know, to beat the other paper. Yeah, just right. to, yeah. So I mm-hmm. remember there was a bit of that. But I think by and large it kept us hungry. Now I think the hungriest news organizations in town are the TV stations because there's four of them. And, they're, and again, they're just competing for the same police and and weather news and mm-hmm. whatever. They fill up. You know, there's a lot of stuff that they cover that they just – you know, they're all at the same scenes and they're trying to get Is, one little angle, yeah. one little interview the other one didn't get. Right. Know. Is the journal still affiliated with TMJ for theirs? No, they're not no longer not. the same company. No, when we uh, we were at, we were sold to, let's see, we were independently owned. We we owned the company for years and years and years, and then about four years ago, we were sold to Scripps Howard, and then that was, um, and then the, the TV stations were spun off. Uh, so the TMJ, you know, I, I was surprising a little when I figured out the TMJ stood for the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Journal. Journal. I, I, I swear to God, I was probably in my forties when I realized that. You know, I was, I was working. I, there. I, I was too because it's today is when I just <laughs> just now. Yeah, just, just now. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, oh, the that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah. So then, now those are those have nothing to do with us anymore. They're completely okay. separate, and we're owned by Gannett. And yeah, so. And, and as you may or may have seen, there's, there's been people trying to sort of take over Gannett in a hostile takeover. That's this digital first company. Okay. And people are worried about what that would look like. And they've been right. a little, little more capitalizing. They do, after all, have the word digital in their yes, name. So yes, that doesn't right. seem to bode well. These are not yeah. people that like presses. Right, right. And Gannett is known for USA Today. Yes. What else? Is that the main flagship thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. And that's still, you know, and, and a lot of what Brent's in the paper is stuff that's produced by them now, you know. So it's all sort of economy of scale. They produce an awful lot of stuff. Right. And then a lot of it ends up in the, and especially the papers that have really been cut back. I think it ends up a lot of their paper is just stuff from USA Today. It just ends up because it's something to fill the paper with. Right. Mm-hmm. And they cut back on the local guys. Yeah, tons. I mean, when I think about how we've been cut back, you know, we used to have over 300 people in the Journal Sentinel newsroom. This mm-hmm. is post-merger. I mean, we lost a lot of people in the merger, too, because we right. only needed one of this and one of that. Right. You know? Like Noah's Ark and reverse or something. Right. Or throwing people <laughs> right. out the door. This this thing that you're speaking of is happening in the newsrooms all across America. This is not yeah. anything to That's do right. with the journals. Right. Yeah. And then there's the whole idea of, you know, the importance of <clears throat> A local newspaper for the local angle, right? And for uh, investigative uh, journalism that might not get done otherwise. Yeah, that's right. And as long as people still put a value on that, I mean, the kind of work I do as a columnist, in some ways, that's to sort of improve the sort of fabric of a city. We all have sort of some shared knowledge of interesting places and things and whatever. Mm-hmm. But, there, you, but you have to assume that there's a thirst for that, you know? And mm-hmm. I think generationally that may change, you know? And eventually people are more interested in what's coming at them on their social media. They're right. not quite as concerned whether it's local or whatever. I mean, I, 
you know, you, you have to sort of keep your eyes open as to what you think people want. And, and you know, again, I saw another figure the other day. It says only 14% of people, of adults in America are willing to pay for news and do pay for news. Right. That includes mm-hmm. people that subscribe to papers right. and subscribe digitally. You know, over 80% of people are just floating along and not paying for any news, which doesn't help the news organizations, of course. Right. Yep. The New York Times, Washington Post, some of them have been, you know, there's been a, there's a lot of fear after Donald Trump got elected that somehow the, the press was going to be, you know, I don't know, just throttled and stuff. And so right. those papers have seen an increase in people that want to support them and keep information flowing. We haven't quite, we haven't quite experienced that. Hmm. Yeah. Problem is, there's just plenty of places you can get the news for free on the internet. Yeah, that's right. And then you have to figure out whether that's how reliable it is and true it is, and whether it's the kind of local news you need. But yeah. yeah. But if we want, you know, anything of value is worth something. Obviously, right? If, if right. you value it, then you're going to have to pay for it. But the opposite, I guess, could be that we're just going to end up with a bunch of entertainment fluff, and that's what all these websites are full of, right? Yeah, or aggregated mm-hmm. stuff that they get from us. You know, right. a lot of these well, sites, where they too, take yeah. stuff that newspapers spent money to go and get, and then they aggregate it, and they sort of give it their own spin, and then there it is. You know, right. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't produce anything original, but I think there's a bunch of that as well. So I think people – I think I think we'll definitely be poorer when we're living in a post-newspaper society. There's oh, no yeah. question about yeah, that. Yeah, no question. I mean, and, and, and I think politicians will also sort of notice about the fact they're not being watched as closely. Already they're noticing, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think, again, we just don't have the people. Um, you know, it's expensive to do reporting, and I think already that that's an issue that, uh, you know, from small small towns up through the federal government that we just – the, the, the function of the watchdog, you know, you hate to see that go away. Yep. Now, you mentioned that uh, you're more of a, uh, like a slice of life columnist. What mm-hmm. what type of columnist are you? A human yeah. interest story? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you sort of define it every time you come in in the morning, but I'm, 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 lo- I'm a local columnist, which means I can sort of define it any way I want. Um, I've chosen to not define it very politically. I think, first of all, these days you can just lose your half your audience right off the bat, and then when you, and the next week when you want to go tell them a nice human interest story, they go, well, "I that, hate that guy," right? Because right. last week he right. said that I should believe this or that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I go real easy on that. I'm I'm one of these people. I'm surprisingly. I mean, I have opinions like everybody else, but for someone who works as a newspaper columnist, I'm surprisingly unconcerned whether you, you guys, anyone really agrees with me or whether I can change anybody's mind because th- you know how hard that is now. Right. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah. so it, I don't know. I, I don't get up in the morning trying to, trying to change people's minds. Other, other I, don't, I don't know. I like to, I do like telling human interest stories. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I get a lot of calls and emails. I mean, eventually once you've been doing something for a long time and I've been doing the column like 19 years now, um, People sort of figure out what it is you like to do, and then they think about calling you. You know, so if something oh, sure. gets lost and found, they're calling me because I'm a sucker for lost and found stories <laughs> that sort of throw people together in a random, interesting way. Uh-huh. Right. You know, that type of thing. Let me ask you this. This is kind of an old-fashioned uh, thing. There was a time back where newspapers used to have misconnection sections, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. where some, some guy would put a little ad in the newspaper that said, I saw you at the bus mm-hmm. stop mm-hmm. on this date, oh, and you were wearing yeah. this item of clothing. Is there ever been a story where you heard at the newspaper where that guy and girl got together? I have done misconnection stories because I was intrigued by that at the time, right? It was like we locked eyes across the, you know, sure. or whatever. You were with a guy. Maybe that was your brother. I'm going to take a chance here, you know, whatever. Right. Although those haven't existed for a long time now. Right. I mean, I, now, maybe mm. because they were too stalkery or something. You know, right. Is that a word? Yeah. Um, <laughs> stalker yeah. um, like. But I mean, they, I can't remember if I ever found two people that got together that way. Hmm. 
I've definitely, I've, I, I think I remember, I mean, I've, I've, I think people have gotten together in interesting ways, but I, I think, you know, I'm not sure how well those worked, frankly. Yeah, did it you, ever you, I mean, work? Yeah. I mean, the idea that someone would happen to see the shepherd, because I don't right. really remember it. Maybe they were in the journal, but I remember the shepherd kind of had them too. Oh, right. Sure. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, missed connections. That yeah. was, a, yeah. Well, and then and not only see it, but be like, that was me, but. Do I have any interest in a guy right, who's right. like look like you putting this thing in the right. paper? Like I don't know if I want to get into that. Yeah, some people really assume. You know, minute somebody sort of looks back at you that oh, okay, she's into me, and that's probably you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remembered a story that I heard about um, about a guy. His dad was a sound man, I believe, for the Rolling Stones album Sticky Fingers or something like that, and it was recorded in a mansion in France. And this kid, who was eight years old at the time, was at his dad's feet running around while his dad was recording the sound. And 20 years later, he runs into Mick Jagger, and he comes up to him, and he says, hey, I was the kid at the recording studio, and he said he acted like he didn't even know me. He acted like, you know, he goes, he was all full of himself, you know, like he couldn't remember. And he's like, he didn't remember, right? How many eight-year-old kids are running around a recording studio? I mean, come on. Have you ever had somebody, I had this happen to me once. Have you ever had somebody from 20, 30 years ago, high school, whatever, and they say, I always remember when you told me this. And you're like, oh my God, I want to hear this. What did I say that stuck in their mind? And then the guy told me, and I had no idea what the hell he yeah. was talking about. Yeah. But to him, it was profound, and he remembered it. And you think about all those things in your life, back in junior high school, high school, where that girl or the guy said something that either lifted you up or made you sink down really low, and it made a difference to you. But to them, it was just a passing comment. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. You get that. I had one grade school reunion. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had high school reunion, but grade school reunion. Yeah, and like, and people had those kind of things. All right, come over to your house, and we'd go over there. I go, no, nope. man, I nope. was twelve or whatever. I just, <laughs> right. I just, yeah, that's right. And it is, it is funny how people remember different things. But I, um, yeah. Those kind of conversations. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'd remember like the one thing the prettiest girl in the class said to me, and then I would bring that up at a reunion, and she'd go, sure. "No, I have no nope. memory, no idea." Yeah, <laughs> so and, you were and, a dork, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so vivid in your memory that you're like, "There's no way these people cannot know this story." Yeah, and then they I say, had a crush on the same girl all the way through grade school, and never really got to know her. I remember one time, like she had thrown a paper away in the trash and had her name on it, or whatever, right? And her handwriting, and she had touched it. And I remember taking it out. It. And oh, taking oh, it oh wow, wow! <laughs> the weird little sort of it's an adoration relic, for right? Me, you know, right? <laughs> I, I had the same thing. I had a I had a crush in in sixth grade, and this girl, I didn't really get to know her. I mean, I knew her. You know, she knew me. We we're in sixth grade. It's a small school, but um, I wrote her, <laughs> I wrote her secret admirer letters. And oh, sent them to her in. house, yeah, and and wow. never told her. <laughs> in the mail? or what? Yeah, in the mail, yeah. <laughs> I had a, a crush on a girl back in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and I ran into her at the 10-year high school reunion, something like that, and I'd long since forgotten my, my crush, and I thought it'd be a funny little story, and I told her she was my first crush, and she looked at me like I was a weirdo. Hmm. I, it was a very <laughs> that's, oh, <laughs> unsettling. That's unnecessary. Yeah, right. I, I said, you know, no longer, you know, just relax. You know. Yeah, right. So That's weird to think that's weird. Yeah, she I looked think. at yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. She so should I, have been flattered by that at that point. Yeah, you know? right. I, I was actually washing dishes at the, <laughs> I was the guy working at the thing, so maybe that's why. Yeah, so all those weird misconnections and and. You know, talked about your stories. You get leads, or how often you work the leads, or how does that work? 
Yeah, I get leads every day. I get emails and I get calls from people. And, I, you know, you sort of – I get paid to sort them out, I guess. I mean, I get paid to decide. And, and it's getting harder because now that, the, the, you know, it used to be, is this a good story? And now the decision is, how many clicks can we get from this? How many, you know? Oh, sure. Because there's, the, there's more pressure to sort of make sure your stuff is being seen and then maybe people will then subscribe and so forth. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be a slave to that, but that's definitely on your mind, too. And you're thinking – somebody's people pitch you a story and you're thinking, oh, boy, I don't know. Yeah, it's Although good. Sometimes you're completely wrong. I like wrong. it, but I don't sometimes know. Sometimes you're completely wrong. I did a story a year or so ago about a woman who had outlived her life insurance. And I'm thinking, I don't know, does the Click universe really want to read about a 95-year-old woman in the first place, let alone that she's outlived her life insurance? And it went crazy. No, I guess you could argue that she was protected all those years from right. as a death benefit. Mm-hmm. But it, she came, up as, word, she came up as a sympathetic figure. You know? yeah. and, right. uh, because she had so carefully paid in and so diligently paid in and now the evil insurance company was telling you, you get nothing. Get lost. Yeah, you right. have no cash value and yeah. you have no death benefit. So we'll see you later. Good luck. Yeah. What uh, types of stories tend to do better, do you think? Uh, sometimes. I have a theory that stories about people that have been kicked around or sort of, you know, hmm. messed, you know, by the government, by big business. I think those sort of consumer that woman. stories. I th- that one, for mm-hmm. instance. Mm-hmm. I think others we've done. I think sometimes people – I used to think – I had an editor that thought that people liked that I gave them solace, this notion that there's uh, – there's good in the world mm-hmm. and all that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how true that is anymore. I think to some degree that's true, but I think as a, in, in the bigger picture, I think people now kind of like to be upset. They like to be riled. Hence the stuff you see that moves around on social media pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and it's do you think bad, that's really. a change from 20, 30 years ago? I think ago? it is. I think mm-hmm. it is. I think at least maybe not. Maybe it's not a change, but maybe now we just know how to measure it better. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you can yeah. definitely measure it now. And, uh, and so sometimes – Certain kinds of stories, I think, do well because, I don't know, there's this notion that somebody's being screwed around by somebody in power. So mm-hmm. I think that's one category of stories that can do well. You right. know? I mean, I think people also, just big big news can do well. I mean, when the Democrats announce their convention's coming, we do a story and it does really well. Right. Certain mm-hmm. sports stories, are, I mean, there's, there's definitely stories that do well. But I think I've noticed that as sort of something I think that uh, – so I, I, I try to listen for <laughs> listen for that. Mm-hmm. For that, I'm working on one right now that's sort of in that category. And, you are know, you uh, – is it five days a week, seven days a week? What's your column? I do three a week. I do uh, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And, you know, if you come in on Monday and you fall a little behind and you're catching up on your emails, now suddenly you've got four days to write three columns. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. And, and, and all the reporting, all the writing. And so, yeah. And so, so I've, I run into a couple of different kinds of people in life. There's a people that think that that sounds really easy. Right. Because they're like building heavy things and whatever. And they right. think, wait a minute, you just have to sit down and <laughs> you, write three You got to write three stories? And other yeah. people that are just the idea of having to do three, what they sort of see as term papers a week. Right. Oh, yeah. It's horrifying to them. And, and especially when you say, okay, not only do you write them, you put them out there for anyone to read. Is there a, a size that you're required to fill? No. It used to be a little more that way when the column ran sort of down the left-hand side of the page from the top to the yep, bottom, sure. mm-hmm. especially if it didn't run with a photo. You kind of you would exactly feel that. Now that they don't seem as worried about that. It's probably somewhere around eight or 900 words maybe, I think. Hmm. Okay. okay. Well, again, I've got about a day and a half to do each one, start to finish, reporting, right. thinking, <laughs> writing. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, it probably takes me maybe maybe four hours to write them. How, how much of an issue is writer's block? No, you don't have time for that. You don't have no, time. No, that's an author thing. <laughs> Should yeah. I not have mentioned those yeah, words? Just, yeah, just yeah. Now, well, funny. I'll let you mention. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. Starting to, I'm starting to feel a little seized up over here. Uh, you know, <laughs> there are days you you feel like writing about something less than other days, or mm-hmm. writing at all. You know, um, 
and maybe it's the topic. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you get a little, yep. oh man, I got to write this yet. You know, I think that Alfred Hitchcock didn't he say that he loved like imagining every scene of his movie, and then he hated having having to shoot it because he had already had the sort of pleasure right. of imagining every scene. Oh. Yeah. Sort of in figuring out what it was going to be. Yeah, I've and, done that uh, already, right? You know, and, I, and writing is hard. You know, writing, especially for I don't know a mass audience where you think people are going to pick it apart and like it, not like it, whatever. It's it's hard, and especially when you have your little picture running with it, you can never really phone <laughs> anything in. You know, it's not yeah. like oh, I'm just going to kind of whatever <laughs> give yeah. the, give the five W's on this one and be right. done. Can't you know? go eighty percent, can you? You Jim? can't go eighty percent. No, so. sorry about that, guys. <laughs> no, Let me right. just let's just back up. <laughs> what I said in the beginning, I want to apologize. I'm a hundred percent. All the time. Full throttle. I just said 80% because I thought you were going to be 80%. I didn't want to outshine you. Does it feel like I'm 80%? Maybe that's... I don't want to get into it. From now on, 100%. You probably have like a raging nasal infection or something. Yeah, yeah. Getting over something. Considering all that, you're pretty good. (laughs) 80 is pretty good. What's a story of recent that you got a lot of blowback on? Mm. Oh, there's one in particular. Um, It did well, though. I I got a lot of readers, but I did a story about a house that was being sold um, with one final big keg party. And this house had been the uh, the location of many great parties, underage slash not underage parties right. mm-hmm. back in the day. You know, the parents <laughs> weren't keeping much of an eye on or whatever. Right. And this was back in the 70s and whatever. Then everybody grows up, and now the house is being sold, and they decided, hey, before we sell it, let's have one of those, one more of those parties. Right. This keg. One, one, one right. last and, final and, hurrah. And let's see if we can bring the feeling back. And so I did a story about that. And uh, so blowback-wise, I did hear from people who um, scolded me about the fact that I was glorifying drinking, mm-hmm. young drinking, underage right. drinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, alcohol is, causes a lot of problem in the world, and people right. have a lot of personal reasons to be mad at you for in any way glorifying it or making it sound like fun. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, but again, I'd rather I'd rather get reaction like that. You don't want the crickets. You know, you don't want to get oh, no yeah. reaction. Sometimes you get no reaction. It sort of depends. What about a positive one that connected with people oh, of recent? I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a woman who uh, whose dog um, diagnosed her cancer. I mean, there was a woman whose oh, with the sniffing or something. Yeah, the sniff. Okay. The dog figured out that she had cancer, and then it also figured out when the cancer came back. And hmm. one day, the dog she, lay out a treatment plan too. Or? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was all covered <laughs> under the. Uh, the dog was in network. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, thank goodness. But uh, and then one day, even this woman even had a uh, had like a crew working in her kitchen, and the dog started sniffing around one of the guys on the crew, and oh, she's thinking, "You better go to the doctor." Yeah. Yeah. So that story connected. I mean, so you know, sure. it's it's that kind of stuff. Sometimes there's these stories about people that, um, you know, thrown thrown back together from adoptive situations, right? Or things like that, or people giving each other organs. Um, Have you ever co- covered uh, any message in a bottle stories? Mm. Like yeah, rolling up in Lake Michigan or something. Right, Maybe right. I have, I don't know, or or the balloons. The ocean to do those, right? Or the, I've I've done the balloons. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. the litter. Yeah. You mean? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Because that would blow it, yeah. back against the balloon stories too. Right, I'm sure. You know, the minute you release a balloon here, you think oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah, they don't think it's wonderful over on the Lake Michigan, the Michigan side of the lake, because that's where they all end up. Bad I've idea. I've done those kind of stories <clears> though, where they end up with a message on them, and they right. end up four or five states away. Yeah. yeah. And again, that throws people together who right. wouldn't that normally be never would have Yeah. So I brought together through litter. Through litter, that's <laughs> yeah. right. See, litter's not so bad. Litter's See, not so bad. Sometimes. Well, hey, that's where I want to leave our audience here till next week, that litter yeah. brings people together. Yeah. Now, that being said, I did hear, as I'm wrapping up our first half hour, I did see where Milwaukee is raising the fine on litter. It's like a flat five hundred dollars yeah, right. fee. I saw that too. Been, been, I'm surprised how low it was. It wasn't. It what was like it? Like twenty five bucks? It was, it was like 15? Low, yeah. 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 Well, time to clean up your axe, Dingle. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let's leave it at that, and we will talk to you here in just a bit. 
Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we audition a potential new weekend fill-in host. Hi, everybody. I'm Jim Stingle. I write a newspaper column for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I was invited to be on a podcast called Bait and Switch. A terrifying name, actually. You're, you're brought in <laughs> thinking it's one thing. And then it's another. Um, but it went well. And uh, now I've decided because I'm, I'm normally I'm in a position of asking questions more than answering them, that I'm going to sort of turn the tables on these guys. You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.